Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson. Yes, it's that time again. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you would like to be on the program, more than welcome to you. You can follow me on social media, E.W. Erickson. Follow me on Instagram if you like. Uh, And you can text the word show to 33777. Get the daily show notes email uh, link. You can get the podcast. You can get the 24-7 live stream. Well, it turns out what we all knew to be true is true. I I am always amazed and, and, and chuckle when I see members of the press arrive at the conclusion that it turns out those icky conservatives were right. And they don't want to admit it. They go through elaborate great pains to deny it is the case. They do not like to admit it. They prefer to run the other way. And when they do arrive at the conclusion, they try to pretend that they never actually, well, disagreed. This is a key paragraph from the New York Times. People familiar with the investigation of Hunter Biden said prosecutors had examined emails between Mr. Biden Mr. Archer and others about Burisma and other foreign business activity. Those emails were obtained by the New York Times from a cache of files that appear to have come from a laptop abandoned by Mr. Biden in a Delaware repair shop. The email and others in the cache were authenticated by people familiar with them and with the investigation. In some of the emails, Mr. Biden displayed a familiarity with FARA, the Foreign Agent uh, Registration Act, and a desire to avoid triggering it. In one email to Mr. Archer in April 2014, Mr. Biden outlined his vision for working with Burisma. In the email, Hunter Biden indicated that the forthcoming announcement of a trip to Ukraine by Vice President Biden, who is referred to in the emails as my guy, but not by name, should be characterized as part of our advice and thinking but what he will say and do is out of our hands. The New York Post had its account turned off on Twitter because it ran the story in 2020. A number of foreign policy experts came out in Politico pushed by Jen Psaki, then of the Biden campaign, and assured everyone that it was a foreign intelligence disinformation campaign. A foreign intelligence disinformation campaign. Jen Psaki wanted everyone to know back in 2020 that the Hunter Biden story was Russian disinformation. Dozens of former intel officials say, Here's the story from Politico in uh, December or no October 19, 2020, pushed by Natasha Bertrand, a progressive who has now moved to CNN. She was hostile to Donald Trump's campaign. She was hostile to Republicans. She's very helpful to Democrats. She helped collect the story, and now she's moved to CNN. More than former 50 former senior intelligence officials have signed on to a letter outlining their belief that the recent disclosure of emails allegedly belonging to Joe Biden's son had the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. 
The letter signed on Monday centered around a batch of documents released by the New York Post last week that purport to tie the Democratic nominee to his son Hunter's business dealings. Under the banner headline, Biden secret emails, the Post reported it was given a copy of Hunter Biden's laptop hard drive by President Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who said he got it from a Mac shop owner in Delaware, who also alerted the FBI. While the letter signatories presented no new evidence, they said their national security experience had led them deeply, made them deeply suspicious that the Russian government played a significant role in the case and cited several elements of the story that suggested the Kremlin's hand at work. If we are right, they said, this is Russia trying to influence how Americans vote in this election, and we believe strongly that Americans need to be aware of this. They included Jim Clapper, Mike Hayden, Leon Panetta, John Brennan, Thomas Finger, John McLaughlin, the former CIA deputy acting director, and the list goes on. Some very prominent names on this letter, which gave this letter credibility, which was used by the media and by Twitter to censor and silence the New York Post story, they turned off the New York Post's account. They did not want people to know about it. They were adamant it was Russian disinformation, and it turns out it was all true. All of it was true. The whole thing. What the New York Times now reveals is even more troubling. Let me read you the beginning of the story. In the year after he disclosed a federal investigation into his tax affairs in late 2020, President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, paid off a significant tax liability, even as a grand jury continued to gather evidence in a wide-ranging examination of his international business dealings, according to people familiar with the case. In other words, there's a grand jury involved now. Now, grand juries, you should know, they don't leak. The lawyers in the periphery may leak. The grand jurors, they're not talking. But as recently as last month, the federal grand jury heard testimony in Wilmington, Delaware, from two witnesses, one of whom was a former employee of Hunter Biden, whose lawyer was later subpoenaed for financial records that reflected money Mr. Biden received from a Ukrainian energy company. The investigation, which began as a tax inquiry during the Obama administration, widened in 2018 to include possible criminal violations of tax law, as well as foreign lobbying and money laundering rules, according to the people familiar with the inquiry. How many people told you this was a lie? And, you know, the the most troubling part of this is that members of the media who told you it was a lie are now pretending they never had anything to do with it. They're now pretending that there was never anything, that that it was all, it was always known, or, or oh my gosh, we're shocked. I can't believe I've never heard of this story. Absolute ignorance. Absolute ignorance. It turns out they were right. Now, There are a number of lessons here. First of all, Hunter Biden apparently used his dad's name regularly to get business. Question, 
did his dad know? There are indications in the emails on this laptop that have now been authenticated. There are questions that suggest maybe his father knew and was okay with Hunter using his name. Now, I got to tell you here, as an aside, your favorite son dies. And let's make no bones about it. Uh, Bo Biden was Joe Biden's favorite son. The surviving son and daughter both have issues. I mean, the daughter, we don't like to talk about people's private lives. She's had some issues. But not near as bad as Hunter Biden's issues. Hunter Biden is a crackhead who he's got mama's babies all over the place. He's been caught all those pictures on his laptop with the prostitutes. It's not a great guy. He's had issues. Dad's beloved son is dead, and you are the the black sheep of the family. I can kind of see. Dad says, you know what? If it helps you get back on your feet, makes you some money, use my name. I can totally see him doing that. And I can also see Hunter Biden using it as a blank check to to go out there and and chum the water and make some money. One of the things that I think is missing here is is if I re- recall right, wasn't Hunter Biden and John Kerry weren't they somehow tied together? John Kerry's like a stepson or some such. But so I can totally see Joe Biden letting his his son who he doesn't love as much as the other son use his name, make amends, use my name. Uh, earn your living, and I can totally see the guy took advantage of it. But here's the thing. Joe Biden as well was a public servant for 50 years. And Joe Biden was clearly bringing in the money from somewhere and not just speeches. So was Hunter Biden giving his dad kickbacks? And that is the allegation in some of the emails. Not that Joe Biden just allowed Hunter Biden to use his name, but that Joe Biden expected to profit off of and be paid back some of what Hunter made. There are implications there. And that's one of the things the New York Post was highlighting back in 2020. And they all said, oh, it's a Russian disinformation campaign. Turn off their account. The other issue here is that ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, Twitter, Facebook, they decided to outright censor it. They wanted to outright censor it. They wanted to to block it. They wanted to suppress it. National Public Radio ran the story about how they would not be covering this Russian disinformation campaign. And all of you hicks and rubes who believe it is true, how dare you? How dare them? Will they apologize? Will they apologize? Will they say anything? Will they have any acknowledgement publicly that they got it wrong? I see Michael Isikoff, an investigative reporter the other day. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe these emails are real. I see Maggie Haberman at the New York Times using the some said they weren't real. Will, will Twitter turn off Jen Psaki's account? Kyle Griffin, producer at MSNBC, No one should link to or share the New York Post report. You can discuss obvious flaws and unanswerable questions in the report without amplifying what appears to be disinformation. Ben Rhodes of the Obama White House, Iran deal fame. 
the creative writer, the Republican freakout over not being able to spread disinformation unchecked demonstrates why you should not be able to spread disinformation unchecked. They know they have no political viability without the capacity to spread lies. Really? CNN, this is quoting James Clapper. To me, this is just classic textbook Soviet Russian tradecraft at work, according to James Clapper. The National Public Radio public editor, why haven't you seen any stories from NPR about the New York Post Hunter Biden story? Read more. Quote, we don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories, and we don't want to waste the listeners and readers' time on stories that are just pure distractions. Joy Reid, good for Joe Biden, no need to dignify a Russian hatchet job, strained through Rudy's utter brokenness with a response. We're not doing emails again, America. Politico, more than 50 former senior intelligence officials have signed on to a letter outlining their belief the recent disclosures of emails allegedly belonging to Joe Biden's son has all the classic earmarks of a Russian disinformation operation. That list goes on and on and on and on. Where will the apologies be and when will they acknowledge it? There's no reason to believe them about anything. If they're not willing to acknowledge, they fell for spin, partisan spin, because they wanted to believe it. You know, ironically, ironically, do you know who kept the quietest in all of this at the time? The Trump administration. The Trump administration. Certainly there were people on the campaign. They relied on the New York Post email, but there turns out there was a federal investigation going on the entire time. And no one in the Trump administration said anything. Bill Barr himself afterwards confirming the investigation said they didn't want to influence the election. But the New York Post had the story and it was true. And the rest of the media piled on the New York Post and social media blocked their account from sharing the truth because they were so eager to believe it was lies. When you've bought into the mythology of the Russians stealing the election, it's very easy to be persuaded to become the authoritarian you say Donald Trump is and censor the truth. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, my family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the bowl and branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. <laughs> got to say that word right. But they've got a little weight to them. So so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets I, that came with the new mattress and they're so light it's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're – I mean, it's just – and then they bunch up the – the man, the satiny soft feel of the Bull and Branch sheets, it makes a real big difference. Listen, you've got so many options out there right now. You can go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bull and Branch, you get high-quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bolin Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got 
I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability, and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my bowl and branch sheets have lasted a long time, and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Keith, you're going to be up first today. Welcome to the program. Keith, how are you? Hey, Eric. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I'm a listener of, um, to you through iHeartRadio in South Carolina. And one of my questions I have for you is, it's a great segue to what you were saying earlier. I struggle with trying to find good news content that I trust because I can't listen to CNN and Fox uh, news has changed over the course of time. So where do you recommend where we can find in good information? Because I don't want to be one of those conspiracy theories. I want to make sure that when I go out and research my own information, I'm looking at valuable and good choices of news that I can trust and share with uh, my family and friends. Oh, I you know, my call. Uh, yeah. You, listen, Keith, I, I'll tell you, um, it, it's harder and harder to do um, on on the left side. I don't really trust MSNBC, obviously, but on the right side, I don't really trust uh, OAN uh, and a lot of the, the hardcore um, conservative voices or, or on the left that they're everybody's toe in the party line. What I tend to do these days is read a little bit everything. So if I see a story, for example, in the New York Times, I'm going to read the New York Times story, but I'm also going to read the the Fox News story about it. I'm also going to read, uh, if I can find the Washington Post story, if National Review has something about it, I'm going to read there uh, and try to, by reading multiple outlets, um, avoiding hardcore left. And I, I, I exclude, even though the, the mainstream media sites like the New York Times and the others, they, they're definitely of the left. I mean, the, the hardcore, blatantly, we are progressives websites. I don't waste my time there. Um, I don't waste right. my time on the hardcore, we are Donald Trump websites either for the same reason. They're going to give me the party line narrative. They're not going to give me the truth. But then I got to read. I got to read the Fox. I got to read the Washington Post. I got to read the New York Times. I got to read the National Review. Uh, I got to read the Dispatch and kind of synthesize together all the bits and pieces to see what's going on. Um, it is a way harder to do these days because so much of the media is so blatantly partisan. Um, it just, you got to do twice as much work. Uh, you know, by the way, it, it's, it's a good time to, I guess, plug my work. One of the things I started doing is every day at noon, sending out to listeners, uh, my stack of stuff, um, all of my research. So for example, today in the Hunter Biden stuff, I've got the New York Times story, but I've got the New York Post story. I've got the story about his taxes being paid. And so people can kind of see where I'm drawing my stuff from, from the array of sources to try to synthesize what's going on. But I got to tell you, it's way harder today uh, in large part because no one really wants the truth anymore. They want their truth. And your truth is not necessarily the truth. I get people mad at me on the left and the right, particularly on the right these days, because being of the right, you, your own side tends to get more mad at you than the other side. The other side expects it, but your own side, they feel betrayed. And, and sometimes some of the stories that my side advances are BS and you got to call them out on it. It's not easy to take on your own side. But then if I read a bunch of stuff about Republicans 
in, say, the New York Times, I got to go to a lot of conservative sources because I know the New York Times is going to get it wrong. Uh, the general rule, though, is that when your own side is criticizing your own side, you can tend to be more sure it's true. So when the New York Times runs a story critical of Hunter Biden and the Bidens, you can be pretty sure that the situation must be really bad if they feel like they have to report it. Uh, that's that's kind of the struggle here. Uh, I wish I had a better answer for you, but really it's just reading twice as much as I used to uh, and following some trusted sources on social media as well. Uh, the phone number, 877-973-7425. When we come back, I'll take your calls, and then we got to get into the Ukrainian resistance that has caught the Russians off guard so much so the Russians have had more losses in two weeks than Americans did at the Battle of Iwo Jima. Amazing, amazing statistics coming out of Ukraine. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. To the phones we go. Susan, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I remember when all this happened with Hunter Biden's laptop, and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this could cost Biden, easily cost Biden the election. But then the media protected their guy. Do you, do you think that this um, had this been able to run its course naturally instead of interference from the media that Trump would be president? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, it could be. I, you know, Fox News continued to cover it. Uh, and the story, once they allow the New York Post to come back, uh, continue to advance it. I don't know. Uh, it is notable, however, that Bill Barr and the Justice Department, and, and you should know this is this is not Bill Barr trying to play partisan against Trump here. This is standard operating procedure for the Justice Department. They do not reveal pending investigations that could affect the outcome of the election. Uh, so they kept their mouth shut. Um, that's one reason, by the way, Democrats are so mad about James Comey having released uh, the the information back in 2016 about the emails and the investigation. Uh, it is standard operating procedure for the government not to do that. Uh, so Bill Barr complied. James Comey didn't. Um, I don't know whether it would have had the impact or not. When you look at the data of people just, uh, they don't tend to tie parents to their children or children to their parents. And so I don't know that it would have, but it is an interesting hypothetical. The media certainly played a side there. And the media and the Democrats certainly think that it could have changed the outcome of the election. So if you take the Democrats and the media at their word, then you have to accuse them of engaging in a cover-up to throw the election to Joe Biden. You do. The outcome of them saying it was disinformation. Robert, you're going to be up next. Robert, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? Thanks so much for taking my call. Um, Two-part question. One is, wasn't there an email drop, maybe it was by the Post, that said uh, had a Hunter Boss, Hunter Boss, Hunter Biden lamenting that he had to give part of his proceeds to the big guy. I think he yes. was an email to a family member. And then second, uh, is this worthy of a special special prosecutor? Yes, I think it is worthy of a special prosecutor. Uh, now, my understanding is there is a so they've moved it to a grand jury now in Delaware where he lives. And so the U.S. attorney there, the Biden team, was not able to get rid of all the people in the U.S. attorney's office. Kind of, I mean, he could, but it would look real bad. So a lot of the people who are investigating it are the people who started it under the Trump administration. Uh, And the Biden team has has preserved the Delaware U.S. attorney's office 
so that they can carry out the investigation. But uh, you're right. And there was that story about him paying off the big guys. Uh, earlier in the show, I mentioned, uh, was, was it uh, John Kerry's kid? No, it wasn't. Uh, the Wall Street Journal report, Vice President Joe Biden's son and a close friend of John Kerry's stepson joined the board of Burisma. Now, this happened um, while well, the, the gas producer was controlled by a former top security and energy official for deposed President Viktor Yanukovych. That's one thing you got to keep in mind here is that uh, Vladimir Zelensky was not related to this uh, issue. This happened. The company Burisma was tied to the president who Zelensky beat, not to Zelensky. I just... Um, I'm fascinated going back through the number of people out there who bit on the story. I mean, Brian Stelter, for example, was quoted as saying in CNN, this is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. Amanda Carpenter at CNN, the most instructive thing about Trump's sleazy smear against Hunter Biden are all the bad faith, scummy Trump writers who glommed onto the story. Thanks for showing us who you are. It's helpful. It turned out they were right. Turned out they were right. The worst, though, was probably National Public Radio that did major interference for them. Pathetic. Speaking of of Zelensky, uh, I got to give you all the, the rundown here on Ukraine. It is notable, in fact, that uh, you have Tony Blair. Yes, that Tony Blair the former prime minister of Great Britain, he is criticizing Joe Biden. Sir Tony Blair now has issued a veiled attack on Joe Biden and the West as he criticized the strange tactic of promising not to fight Russia. The former prime minister said Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, is using NATO's desire not to provoke escalation as a bargaining chip against us. Maybe this is our position, and maybe that is the right position, but continually signaling it and removing doubt in his mind is a strange tactic, Blair wrote in an essay on his think tank's website. As Putin threatens NATO, stoking fears of a nuclear conflict and attempting to topple a peaceful nation, quote, there is something incongruous about our repeated reassurance to him that we will not react with force. It seems to be a veiled attack on Joe Biden, and it probably should be, although, uh, which outlet is this? Yahoo News is reporting on this. The CIA went to Ukraine and began training Ukrainian troops. As the battle lines hardened in Donbas, a small select group of veteran CIA paramilitaries made the first of several secret trips to the front lines to meet their Ukrainian counterparts, according to former U.S. officials. CIA paramilitaries soon concluded that, in Russia and its proxies, the agency was facing an adversary whose capabilities far outmatched the Islamic groups the CIA had been battling in the post-9-11 wars. We learned a lot real quick, said former senior intelligence official, including about the Russia's laser-blinding techniques. That wouldn't happen with the Taliban. Since Russia's large-scale invasion of Ukraine last month, the Ukrainian military has defied predictions of rapid collapse, holding key cities against the Russian advance and inflicting punishing losses on the Russians. The Ukrainian military has claimed to have killed three Russian generals. They've now actually, um, by the way, killed a fourth as of this morning. 
At least some of the fierce resistance by Ukrainian forces has its roots in a now shuttered covert CIA training program run from Ukraine's eastern front lines, a former intelligence official tells Yahoo News. The initiative was described by over half a dozen former officials, all of whom requested anonymity to speak freely. The program was run under previously existing authorities for the CIA and did not require new legal determination from the agency. CIA paramilitaries taught their Ukrainian counterparts sniper techniques, how to operate Javelin anti-tank missiles and other equipment, how to evade digital tracking the Russians used to pinpoint the location of Ukrainian troops, which had left them vulnerable, how to use covert communication tools, and how to remain undetected in the war zone while also drawing out Russian and insurgent forces. After the 2014 incursion by Russia, the U.S. military also helped run a long-standing training program for troops in the western region, far from the front lines. The question here, notice the use of, for, uh, of former, former, former. Why are all these people former? Why aren't they still there? How long ago did this program go on? I don't know, but I want you to listen to this. This may be the most impressive, well, actually, this is the most, the second most impressive lead to a story in the newspaper today. I actually have to give some praise to the war uh, correspondents and, and the writing in the various media outlets over this. I want to read you this. This is the opening paragraph to the New York Times story this morning on Russian troop morale. This will blow your mind. Are you prepared? In 36 days of fighting on Iwo Jima during World War II, nearly 7,000 Marines were killed. Now, 20 days after Putin invaded Ukraine, his military has already lost more soldiers, according to American intelligence estimates. The conservative side of the estimate at more than 7,000 Russian troop deaths is greater than the number of American troops killed over 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan. It is a number amassed in just three weeks of fighting, with implications for the combat effectiveness of Russian troops, including soldiers and tank formations. Pentagon officials say a 10% casualty rate, including dead and wounded for a single unit, renders it unable to carry out combat-related tasks. With more than 150,000 Russian troops now involved in the war in Ukraine, Russian casualties, which include the estimated 14,000 to 21,000 injured, are near that level. And the Russian military has also lost at least three generals in the fight. This is staggering. The Javelin missiles are working very well. There's now been a fourth general, the Russians, to be killed. Now, there's another amazing line in the story about just how bad the morale has become. The Russians are literally walking off the job into the forest. They are abandoning their vehicles. It really, really just, I, I'm, I'm staggering. Let me, let me read you this. Pentagon officials say that a high and rising number of war dead can destroy the will to continue fighting. The result, they say, has shown up in intelligence reports that senior officials in the Biden administration read every day. One recent report focused on low morale among Russian troops and described soldiers just parking their vehicles and walking off into the woods. That's remarkable. Now, 
The most impressive, the most impressive lead from a story comes from the Wall Street Journal. This is this is crazy. Uh, in the two-day battle of Voznesensk, local volunteers and the military repelled Russian invaders who fled, leaving behind their armor and dead. Listen to the beginning of this story. Listen to this. This is the story like war songs and war movies come out of this. Listen to this. A Kalashnikov rifle slung over his shoulder. Voznesensk's funeral director, Mikhailo Sokorenko, spit this Tuesday, driving through fields and forests, picking up dead Russian soldiers and taking them to a freezer railway car piled with Russian bodies. The casualty of one of the most comprehensive routes President Vladimir Putin's forces have suffered since he ordered the invasion of Ukraine. A rapid Russian advance into the strategic southern town of 35,000 people, a gateway to a Ukrainian nuclear power station and pathway to attack Odessa from the back, would have showcased the Russian military's abilities and severed Ukraine's key communications lines. Instead, the two-day battle of Voznesensk, details of which are only now emerging, turned decisively against the Russians. Judging from the destroyed and abandoned armor, Ukrainian forces, which comprised local volunteers and the professional military, eliminated most of a Russian battalion tactical group on March 2nd and 3rd. The Ukrainian defender's performance against a much better armed enemy in an overwhelmingly Russian-speaking region was successful in part because of widespread popular support for the Ukrainian cause. One reason the Russian invasion across the country has failed to achieve its principal goal so far. Ukraine on Wednesday said it was launching a counteroffensive on several fronts. The story here is amazing. This is genuinely, I mean, it, it, a mind-blowing story of, of the town volunteers and the professional military working together. Russian survivors of the battle left behind nearly 30 of their 43 vehicles, tanks, armored personnel carriers, multiple rocket launchers, trucks, as well as a downed MiG-24 or MI-24 attack helicopter, according to Ukrainian officials. Local volunteers helped dig up the roads of the town so that the Russians bogged down in Ukrainian mud only had one paved path to go through. And then the town militia sprung a trap on the Russians as they funneled them into the center of town and killed them. Mayor Vilcheko worked with local businessmen. They dug up the shores of the river that cuts through the town so armored personnel carriers couldn't fjord it, couldn't ford it. He got other businessmen who owned a quarry and construction company to block off the streets and tear them up to channel the Russian column into areas that would be easier to hit with artillery. Ahead of the Russian advance, military engineers blew up the bridge over the Murtvoved and a railroad bridge on the town's edge. Waiting for the Russians in and around Voznesink were Ukrainian regular army troops and members of the Territorial Defense Force, which Ukraine established in January, recruiting and arming volunteers to help protect local communities. Local witnesses, officials, and Ukrainian combat participants recounted what happened next. They destroyed the Russians. The volunteer force and the military destroyed it. The Russians got stuck in the mud. They could not cross the river. It wound up being deeper than they expected because of the dredging and the digging. And they were no match for Ukrainians protecting their homeland.
all of the Russian army, or at least 90% of it, is now involved in a war in Ukraine. And it's going badly for the second largest army on planet Earth. That's a good thing for us. A good thing for you is to take advantage of this three-pack deal from Eden Pure. You can get their Eden Pure Thunderstorm and wipe out these stinky odors in your house, your basement, your RV, your hotel room, your rental car, your car, wherever you need it. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm, you go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, and you see a discount code box. You put in the code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You get three of the Eden Pure Thunderstorms. By the way, they don't just wipe out odors. They're also an air purifier, so they get rid of the mildew, the mold, the bacteria, the pollen floating in your air. I need one in my office again right now. I used to run mine in here because it is pollen season, and I'm getting congested, and the Eden Pure helps with that. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. You'll get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200, saving $200, and you get free shipping. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Nationwide, they want to help your business grow. If you're in a situation where banks are telling you no, First Liberty wants to help you get to yes. We're talking big deals, though. $750,000 bigger than that. You need to buy a building, build a building, reach out to First Liberty. They can help. They've been doing this since the 90s. FirstLibertyGA.com. Go there, get their contact info. Tell them I sent you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Y'all, happy St. Patrick's Day. The President of the United States has spoken. He had this to say. Well, maybe. I had the clip queued up and everything, and now the whole clip froze. There we go. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. I'm (laughs) Dominic Giacoppa's daughter. I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. I married Dominic Giacoppa's daughter. (laughs) I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The the things that come out of of Grandpa Dementia's mouth sometimes. Well, it is St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I am wearing, well, I got, I guess, green pants on. But, yeah, that's all right. You know, I've got friends of mine who are like, hardcore Protestant Northern Ireland Irish families and they all wear um they, they all wear orange on St. Patrick's Day. Hardcore people. Now, speaking of word salads from Joe Biden, can I just can I play have you all heard this clip? This is from Joe Biden yesterday. So we established a new civil rights a new civil rights cause of action for those whose human images were shared on the public screen. How many times have you heard? I bet everybody knows somebody somewhere. And in an intimate relationship, what happened was the guy takes a mirror picture okay if you can't hear what joe biden is saying there he says i bet everybody knows somebody where a guy takes a picture of his naked friend in a compromising position and then blackmails him i don't know anybody like that i i i I don't know anyone like that and that doesn't mean that i'm the guy who doesn't i I just i who does this sort of stuff i mean i realize it happens but joe biden thinks everybody knows somebody where the guy takes a picture of his naked friend in a compromising position, then blackmails him? No, I haven't even done that to Philip in trips to Las Vegas. I, I no, I, I, there's, I don't understand how Joe Biden thinks everybody knows. What world does I, he lives in? Hunter Biden's world. That is the answer to the question. He lives in the world of Hunter Biden, which is why he thinks that is possible. My gosh, it's 2022. Things are still crazy. 
things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.